0: I mean, some of, some of the things that he says are very straightforward, but sometimes he says things that just seem so confusing, uh, even threatening to a, to a degree. But the, the one thing I wanted to, to go over this morning with you is the fact that at a certain point, uh, Jesus said something that was amazing. And that thing that was amazing was that he was amazed. Now can you ever imagine that? I mean, I've been amazed on a few occasions. Probably the thing that amazed me most in my life was when I was in the 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 room, the delivery room for my my first child, daughter. So my wife's having the baby, I'm in there, and boy when 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 Jamie popped out, well she didn't really pop out, she kind of, you know, came out <laughs> kind of slow. But uh my son, he he popped out. But um but when Jamie came out, it was just like you're you're just in awe right i mean that this little life just even exists and i never ever thought that i'd be able to experience that as a father and uh, and then to have it happen again and i was amazed that time too um but we we run into those those moments in our life when when we have a genuine aha wow that's amazing i never thought that would happen that's that's what amazing is and so we, we think about Jesus being amazed. Now, the, the word amazed is just to fill somebody with wonder, astonishment, extreme surprise, to bewilder or stupefy someone. Now, can you imagine that happening to God? I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think here. Is there ever a time if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, past, present, and future, how could he ever be taken off guard? And yet, Jesus, God in human flesh, on two different occasions in the Bible, it says that Jesus was amazed. Let's look at it, okay? Because I'm sure that you're interested in where that's at, right? So open your Bible to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 1. It says this, Jesus left there, he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. It was pretty, you know, common to, for people to be amazed at Jesus' teaching. So then it goes on and says, Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that, that has been given to him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And and says they took offense at him. This is the crowd talking that knew Jesus when he was little toddler and he grew up with his brothers and sisters in the town. And so they knew him as a human kid. All right? Carpenter. And then it says this, Jesus said to them only in his hometown among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. says he could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he, Jesus, was amazed. At what? You got it there? Their lack of faith. See, God is amazed at all our lack of faith. Why? Because I guess most people um, just have a hard time believing that something can happen that they've never seen happen before. Right? And see, when we, when we look at life, we look at life through our lens of experience, um, study, whatever it might be, and, and when we see something happen that's out of our wheelhouse, out of our realm of understanding, we, we don't go there. When it happens, we're amazed, but see, we didn't expect it to happen. We weren't in faith thinking that it could take place. And Jesus says he's amazed when we think like that when we don't believe with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, strength, that God can do the impossible. See, because Jesus, God in human flesh, comes down to be with us, God with us, to show us, to teach us, to help us understand once again that God is God, and we're not. And so he performed miracles, he even raised people from the dead, and he himself was risen from the dead. What more could be done? Now, it says that, that these people knew that Jesus had performed miracles. And word gets around about stuff like that, okay? And yet they, they hearken back to what they knew about Jesus as a human boy, a human man, and inside their heads they just couldn't get past the fact that Jesus was just normal well he was he was normal but he was more than normal he was he was both human and god right and so because most people in this scenario had seen Jesus grow up there they just assumed that he was a carpenter's son and uh, they didn't understand the change in him since he had left home His time of testing the wilderness, that where God prepared him for his public ministry. His encounter with John the Baptist, where the Holy Spirit came down and affirmed him as God's one and only son, right? Filled him with a spirit because they had seen only the human side of Jesus. They were unable to see and grasp the God side of him. And so Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. See, when we doubt that God can do a miracle in our life or the life of someone else, um, we become like this crowd. We're we're, we're doubting somehow that God just can't do that, right? I remember I went back to my 25th class reunion, which was an amazing event in itself, you know. The only reason you go back is to see how old everybody looks, okay? Okay. so, I've got to admit, and, and I you've probably caught this through some of my stories that I tell about myself, but, you know, I was a bit of a rascal when I was a kid, and um, I had a hot temper, and, uh, I, you know, Mr. Funny Funny Guy, always making jokes, stuff like that. And uh, I hurt a few people with my sharp tongue. And so, here we come back to the 25th reunion. Now, the, the people that were organizing it, they knew me, and they kind of kept track of me, and they saw that I'd become a pastor and I'm probably like, whoo, okay, you know, how'd that happen? Uh, but they asked me to to speak, uh, not speak, but to pray for the meal. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a secular high school. I get it. There's a few Christians in my class, and they wanted to pray before the the, the meal. And, I, and they asked me to do it. And so they stopped everything. You know, the guys came over from the bar and you know, all this kind of stuff. Okay, we're going to pray for the food now. And we've asked Bruce Porter to come and pray. and. And it was so funny because you know, I'm up here in front of the crowd, and there's a table of of my friends from high school who hadn't seen me in 25 years at the table. And so I start to pray. And while I'm praying, I'm listening. And I'm hearing these two guys that are talking, and they're, and they're saying, this is a joke. This has got to be a joke. There's no way, you know. And then about halfway through my prayer, it wasn't that long of a prayer, but about halfway through, I heard one of the guys say, hey, I think he's serious. (laughs) And after I said amen, I I went straight to their table and I said, people can change in 25 years. And I had a chance to talk to them about the Lord that day. It was kind of cool. You know, they never thought in a gazillion years that I would ever become who I am today. Right? But with God... All things are possible, right? And even me here right now. And you know what? It might be God calling you to do something amazing. Like you were invited to go to Uganda. Don't ever shake your head no. If you feel the tug of God, God can do whatever he wants to do in you and through you. And my experience as a pastor has been... In all the counseling that I've done is that the only thing that keeps people from ever changing their own behavior or whatever problem it is, whatever they're trying to overcome that they feel powerless to overcome, the only thing that stops them from making that next step, that change, is belief. It's the only thing. See, my job is to, is to try and help people understand that God is still God. And he is in the business of change. He's still creating miracles. And if God gives a promise, he wants to fulfill it. But remember, we've talked many, many times, we have to cooperate with that promise, right? When God makes the promise, then we've got to step out in faith that it's going to go. This is what God wants. Okay, we're in it. And we need to be in it with faith, right? So, Anyone can become a new and different person in Christ. Believe it. Believe it. Now, there's another time when Jesus was amazed. And then you want to take your Bibles, your Bible app, and turn over to Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. We're going to look at uh, verses 5 through 13. So here's the situation. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed as he's in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. So the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you even come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Well, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. You get that? One more time. Jesus is, he's astonished. He's blown away. He's amazed. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Can you imagine being there? I mean, I, I always try to imagine how Jesus said these things, you know? After the centurion says his, his piece, Jesus kind of like, whoa. And then he turns to the crowd, he goes, I haven't heard anybody, anybody I've encountered yet in Israel have faith like this man. I mean, that's a moment to remember, right? And so here we are. Let's keep looking. He says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, there's two groups of people They're the people like the centurion, who's who's not a Jew. And Jesus is making reference to so many people that are going to come from east, west, north, south, all over the planet that are not part of the chosen few. They're going to realize who Jesus is. They're going to make a step of faith and believe in God. And they will enter into heaven. But those who were originally chosen who fail to believe. And maybe in Jesus' mind at that moment, he's thinking back to that time when he went back to his hometown And he was amazed at their lack of belief. He says those who don't believe are not going to make it. But those who do, they'll be welcomed into heaven to feast with Jesus. And then Jesus says to the centurion, go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. Wow. 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 So you catch that? Jesus was astonished. He was, again, amazed at the great faith of the Roman centurion. Well, why? Well, we could probably pick out a couple of things. Maybe because the uh, centurion um, was... Jesus was amazed that uh, he would be kind to a Roman. Wow. Yeah, a Roman. Jesus was kind to him. Um, A Jewish rabbi could do something that a Roman couldn't. Hmm. That's amazing for a lot of people in that time. Uh, Maybe it's linked to what Jesus said to, to the centurion that represented the first of many who believe or are going to believe. Jesus wanted to set up a scenario where we here now, 2,000 plus years ago, are sitting here saying like, you know what, if this centurion can just simply say, I believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and He can do anything. This is the first time that it's recorded that Jesus, He uh, performed a miracle from a distance. All right? Before it was all hands-on. See, Jesus can do anything and He's amazed at the kind of faith that we would have in His ability to do something that we have never experienced before. I, I believe that Jesus loves to do that. I mean, he just loves to make the impossible possible. And it happens when we embrace the truth of what God is saying about us, what he can do in us and through us. Do you believe that you can overcome your temper? Do you believe that he can make you into a kind and loving person? Do you believe that he could use you on a mission field halfway around the world? I could keep going. I don't think I have to. See, we've all encountered the Spirit speaking into our life at different times. And many times we stop the process by our lack of belief, don't we? We say, well, that's just the way I am. That's the lamest excuse. I mean, use that excuse and you say it to God. God, I don't believe that you can do that. Well, the truth is God can do anything. You know, we are very familiar with uh, uh, the fact that, well, I'm, I'm going to give you one more one more quote here from Buster Soares. It's so good. It says, normal faith trusts God to do what he's done before. Astonishing faith trusts that God can do what he hasn't done before. Isn't that cool? Well, see, the big point is God wants us to have a faith that he can do much more in our life than he's done so far if we continue to believe and obey. Because belief always involves obedience. So now most of us are are familiar with another passage of Scripture. I want you to open it. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. And this is a very famous passage. A lot of people like to use it for a lot of different reasons. But here it is. It's God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. But what's the context of that verse? That's what I want to get at. We love to 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 believe in that verse, but what's the context? In in Verse 16, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's God, that he may strengthen you with a power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the context, right? And then he goes on and says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this, that love surpasses knowledge. That's a big one. Love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. And then... It says, God is able to do immeasurably more. See, that's the more. That's the more. It's not that you ask for a Chevy and he gives you a Cadillac. Okay? You ask for a pony and he gives you a racehorse. That's not more that he's talking about. The more he's talking about is just all those things he said. Let's look at him again. What is it? God provides the power for Jesus's spirit to actually live in you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? You know, I love to tell people, remind them, you know, when we start praying, God, please be with us. It's like I say, stop. That's the wrong prayer. That's a bad prayer. Don't pray that prayer anymore. If you've been doing that, stop it. All right? Here's the prayer that you pray. God, thank you that you are present. That you are in me. That you promise to never leave me. And so when I pray for my kids or go on a vacation, I say, don't, I don't, I don't pray. God, please be with my kids. Why? That's a dumb prayer. Sorry. Okay. What's the right prayer? What's the truth? We're going to speak the truth. God, thank you that you are present with my children as they travel. Now, how does that change my thinking? Transforms it. Instead of, that being a fear-based prayer, please be with him like, the, like he, he isn't or he might forget to go with them. Instead, it creates a confidence in me is what God wants, right? A confidence in me to know that my children are protected. 24-7, God is in them. He is with them. He is never going to leave them. So don't pray. If you, if you pray it by mistake, God, please be with, stop yourself. I was in a prayer meeting one time and I had done this teaching in this class and this big guy was up there and he was praying and he was praying for somebody, you know, that was going on a trip or something, and he he says, Please be with He goes, Oh, ooh, ooh, ah, ooh. Mm. And he stopped and says, Okay, redo. And then he started the prayer again. And I just I, I clapped. Yeah. You see, one of the things that one of the tools that Satan uses is what? false teaching and that false teaching can worm its way in, even to our prayer life. And God wants us to speak the truth. And that means in our prayer life too. And so we need to speak the truth that God is with us. Okay. Can you practice that? Start doing that. Start doing that. Second thing I see there is it's to help us understand. He can help us understand how great his love really is. He wants you to know how much He loves you. And not you, not just you. He wants you to know how much He loves everybody. Even the people that you assume God doesn't love. How could He ever love that person that is so bad, so mean, so cantankerous? God loves you so much that He came to earth to die as a penalty for your sin so you could be embraced and reunited with God. And so don't forget that God wants you to know how much He loves you and how much He loves everybody and how much He wants you to love everybody with His power, with His strength. Okay? It also wants, you to, wants to help you understand that loving God and loving people is more important than all the knowledge in the world. It's not more Bible study that you need, although Bible study is important. It's important, but it's more love that we need for people, right? The Bible says love overcomes a multitude of sins. And so God wants you to know that that love is the most most powerful force that we have to bring people to faith in Christ, is to be loving, right? And then, lastly, you can be completely filled up with God and live and love like Jesus. Do you believe that? God wants you to believe that. That's the immeasurably more than you could ever ask or even begin to imagine that you could actually become like Jesus. You could be as loving as he is in the face of extreme opposition. You could still be loving. You can still be kind. Do you believe it? You see, that's the more that God wants for all of us. So then simply... Tell Jesus, like the centurion, Lord, I believe you can heal. I believe you can take my sin. You can give me a fresh start. I believe you can heal my life. I believe you can do it. Just say the word, Lord, and I will cooperate with whatever you want me to be or do. Say yes. And it'll start actuating God's work in your life. See, you want God to show you how much He loves you and how much you can love? Just believe that he can do it and then start living it out the way that he directs you to live it out. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, Lord, give us the faith, the kind of faith that amazes you that we actually not only say we believe it, but we follow through. Um, we let you live in our life in such a way that, that you are able to to overcome those things that we've been struggling so hard with, maybe sometimes for years. Um, God, we believe you can do it. And so we we ask you to give us the extra measure of faith that we need to live into all that you have for us to be like Jesus. And God, we love you. We thank you for all the stories that we're going to hear of how you are transforming us and others through us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.